Did you hear that noise? I think it came from inside that bottle. Hello and welcome to the Comics Vault Podcast, Episode 3. I'm David of PA Nerd Cosplay. And I'm Neil, owner of the uh, the comic shop here in Altoona. Thanks for coming back. Pretty pretty fun uh, episode today, especially with our, our guest. Uh, Ken Tonkin is a professor at St. Francis University. They're putting on a wonderful event coming up uh, called Super Flash. Um, we'll talk about all those details, but he's also a, a professor. He teaches a Batman class. And um, he's got some incredible things to talk about and to say, and uh, really insightful guy. So, um, yeah, we're looking forward to uh, to sharing him with with the rest of the community here. Yeah, I've never heard of him. I don't know who he is. Um, well, I didn't know who he was until I had met him. I got here a little early, and him and I were talking outside the store till, before Neil got here. So he's also an economics teacher. So, and he also brings that into the class. Um, so it's cool to kind of combine economics and Batman, seeing, you know, as Bruce Wayne is a billionaire. So that's uh, pretty cool. Real interesting guy. I think you guys are going to like him. Um, this uh, intro part will be a little short because, boy, we, we talked a while. So um, we will get right into it. Uh, Neil, what comics are coming out this week? Yeah, I think uh, this is going to be released on Wednesday. So um, we got a continuation of Action Comics um, in uh, 890. I'm sorry, 989. Uh, this is an Oz Effect uh, continuation, a really fun story there. We um, found out that uh, the identity of Oz last uh, two weeks ago in Action Comics 988. Uh, this is a continuation of that story. Um, Legacy is off and running uh, this week with a bunch of renumbers. Um, All New Wolverine is a Legacy tie-in. Um, the Amazing Spider-Man, uh, that's a Legacy tie-in. It's actually going back to the old numbering, so this week we get number 789 uh, for ASM. Uh, Daredevil, um, Knights, uh, Dark Knights Metal number three. We're right in the middle of that um, uh, six-part series, uh, and that's really good. I, I uh, last week, two weeks ago, number two um, had a bunch of copies here. They were all gone by Wednesday night. It, that thing Same. is just flying off the shelves. Uh, Flash number thirty-two uh, comes out this week. Uh, we have a new Inhumans, um, Once in Future Kings. Uh, that's number three. Um, a series that actually surprised me a little bit, uh, Kingsman, uh, Red Diamond, number two, that's a six-part series, um, the movie, uh, Kingsman just came out last week, um, and, uh, this is kind of a tie-in, it's, it's really good. Uh, Red Hood and the Outlaws, number 15, is released this week. Uh, Dr. Aphra from Star Wars, uh, number 13, Suicide Squad, Supergirl, um, Uncanny Avengers, number 28, comes this, out this week. Uh, Weapon X number nine, um, X Men Blue that that comes out as well. That's a legacy tie-in, um, and I guess if I had to pick a staff pick, uh, a staff pick, you guys should um, come in and grab a copy of Legacy number one that was released last week. It's a one-shot. It's the event that reboots the entire uh, Marvel universe. Um, actually, scratch that. It doesn't reboot it. It um, kind of sends it back to the way it was. We have. Um, Wolverine is back. He's been gone for like a decade, but the original Logan is is back in continuity. Uh, all the all the um, the old numbers are back. We talked about that a little bit earlier. Uh, Steve Rogers has come back as Captain America. Bruce Banner is going to be the Hulk again. Uh, Tony Stark is back in the Iron Man costume. Um, 
the original Thor is back uh, as Thor. Uh, I think they're doing a lot of good things with um, with Legacy, and I'm, I'm excited to see how it plays out. I think they listen to their fans. Um, bringing these these characters back to the way they should be, I think, was a good move on their part. Uh, so, yeah, the, the staff pick is um, is Legacy number one. It came out last week. We got a couple, uh, a couple copies left. Um, it really puts um, the Marvel Universe uh, back into perspective and uh, a lot of familiar faces. It's, it, it was fun. And thinking about that, that may, you know, how movies are coming out left and right of these comic book movies, we'll see if uh, they do any more with, you know, what's coming out in the near future because they're doing things from, you know, when comics started and they're trying to push what's coming now. So maybe years down the road, maybe even after our time, there'll be even even more better movies that are lining up with the new stuff they did like Secret Wars and uh, Secret Wars 2 and all stuff like that so maybe that'll kind of kick up some more movie ideas yeah, and I was I'm not even the kind of guy who has to have Bruce Banner as the Hulk um, I don't mind She-Hulk being the Hulk I'm not the kind of guy that cares that uh, Jane Foster was Thor um, you know um, Peter Parker is my Spider-Man yeah. he'll always be <laughs> my Spider-Man but Miles is a great Spider-Man, and he represents Spider-Man to, to somebody else. And I don't mind uh, uh, those new diverse characters being in the universe. Um, I'm happy that they're there because they're bringing, bringing readers in. And um, like I said, they represent heroes to somebody. Um, there just has to be a balance between you can't always just keep remaking the same heroes. Uh, give us new ones. And that's what I like about what they did with it. When I first heard um, about the female Thor, I was kind of like, wait, what are they doing? I didn't realize, you know, that they actually made an entire new Thor, that Jane Foster was becoming Thor, stuff like that. Would I, I like how they aren't getting rid of the old characters. They're just working it in that they are either retiring or just kind of taking a break and giving the mantle to somebody else. So it gives it a bit, a bit of um, a new edge to it that people can connect with more. That way they can, you know, not go with so, such old school that, you know, Thor is an old school person that he's in his old school ways that Jane Foster is an American and you know in today's society so that kind of gives her that you know current approach and a, to her and a female too yeah and a female only, said, only he, perspective that's uh, one of the great things I loved about Ironheart she took over mm-hmm. Iron Man for a long time and uh, I thought she was great um, plus just, her suit looks really cool yeah. uh, you just didn't need her to take the place of Iron Man they're, they're, she didn't have to be a substitute she works well in the universe and I, I'm glad that they're coming to the point where they can you know to get rid of the old to bring in the new we can uh, mesh those together and, and give everybody the heroes that they want and they kind of um, tied that into uh, Iron Man 3 there just a little bit when uh, <clears throat> Pepper Potts had the you know suit on just to save Tony Stark so they kind of give a, a nod to that maybe they might do something later on with you know maybe a She-Hulk movie Ironheart movie uh, I, I've seen people so many, so many people saying about you know let's get a, spy, a Miles Morales Spider-Man movie, which I wouldn't be upset about as long as you know they give Peter Parker a solid you know three movies and then bring him into it because I think he's supposed to be in there somewhere, but he goes to the same high school, so you know give, give these characters these solid movies and then start bringing in you know new stuff, which would be okay as long as they don't you know try to overtake what they're doing now way too early. Uh, it is a. Um, it's one of the best times of the year because early October is New York City Comic Con, and we get all kind of news about uh, what's going on in the next six months, what's going on in the next year. We get trailers, we get posters, we get interviews, we get um, uh, new details about uh, shows and movies that are coming up, 
And uh, the news is already starting to flow from New York City Comic Con. It's a f- uh, four-day event. I think it started yeah, Thursday. Thursday. Ended on Sunday, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, by the time you guys hear this, <laughs> we'll, we'll have been over and you guys have heard everything. But um, one of the cool things that come out already is that they announced uh, when the, the new Justice League trailer is going to premiere. That's going to be on, uh, on Sunday morning. So, again, when you guys hear this, uh, uh, that will have been watched 8 billion times. Um, so is that that's going to be the, a public released one and yep. not one that we have to wait like you know Infinity Wars where people are trying to find different like, ways to put it on in, you know, the I, internet and then it gets taken down five seconds later yeah and I, uh, I'm all in for this this Justice League movie they, uh, they nail it with Wonder Woman I think they're on the right track two directors uh, two different kind of visions but I think it's all going to work out well so I'm really excited to see this I, I think this I'm trailer. still skeptical but I, I mean I don't come in with hopes of saying this movie is going to be the best movie of the year, but I have hopes that it's, it's going to be good. So I'll, I'll still go in as skeptic, and we'll see how you know it turns out when I get in there. What else came out of um, New York City, City Comic Con? We got um, a trailer for the new um, Pacific Rim. Yes. Uh, Pacific Rim Uprising is, is what it's called. This one, it was, uh, um, it was a, a wonderful monster movie, and uh, this one looks really good. It was the first full-length trailer. I think it's uh, two and a half minutes long. Uh, and you get to see lots of kaiju, lots of monsters, lots of robots just being awesome. Uh, so I'm, I'm pretty excited. That uh, that movie gets released um, March. So great early start to the year though, with Black Panther in February and, yes. and uh, Pacific Rim in, uh, the month after. Yeah, that movie, I have not seen the first one, but from what I understand, it's supposed to be a mix of, like, I guess the whole <clears throat> huge monster thing, like in Power Rangers, yet kind of like Gundam with their giant, you know, robot suits that you get in and control. So that's, uh, that. See, you know, to me that's, that's interesting. All these, you know, movies that like kind of Robotech, um, Gundam, uh, Code Geass, you know, stuff mm-hmm. like that where you get inside, it's either motion controlled or, you know, you have your joysticks type thing. So I always like the whole giant mech type movie. So I have to go watch those. Uh, Marvel has... Um... Uh, a runaway show that um, is being produced by Hulu. That's um, their streaming services uh, um, shot at um, a Marvel sitcom, I guess. Uh, so the Runaways uh, teaser trailer premiered this week in New York City too. Um, we were supposed to get some uh, extended footage of the Punisher series. I had heard that that was coming out. Um, They're going to try to sneak that in to be released on Veterans Day, uh, November, here in just a few weeks. Uh, but they pulled all that footage um, because of uh, the unfortunate and, and terrible incidents that occurred last week in, uh, in Las Vegas. I understand why they did it. It makes sense to me. They actually replaced it with something pretty cool, a sit-down interview with uh, Stanley, I think, right? Yes, Stanley and uh, Joe Quesada. So the, the article I saw, I think the, the first one I saw was Stanley Comes to the Rescue, which he's not actually there, but they, replaced, they did replace it with a film. Um, that I can't remember which convention it was, but it was in April, I believe, with him and Joe Casada that only 125 <clears throat> people have seen. So it's you know going to be to the public of you know New York Comic Con even more people watch it now. So you know, they wanted something interesting to replace it that way people aren't um, too upset about you know an entire panel going missing. So yeah, anytime you can see a, an interview with. With Stan, he's such a funny, um, worldly guy. It's it's awesome to, to sit down and watch. So um, I'm happy that they added that, and I think they made a good choice in pulling the um, the Punisher footage from the show. 
Um, also, uh, along with you know Comic Con and stuff coming up, you know, in October, Stranger Things season two is releasing this month, um, which they are. And Neil said you, they're a sponsor for Halloween Comic Fest. Yeah, they uh, they worked uh, they worked in a sponsorship with Diamond, so they're actually sponsoring Halloween Comic Fest. That's the uh, the fall version of Free Comic Book Day. Um, <clears throat> <clears throat> I buy a bunch of books really cheap. We give them away that day. There's some great titles like Batman and the Monster Men, Thor, uh, The Tick, um, uh, DC Superhero Girls, a bunch of fun titles that people can come into their uh, local comic shop. We give those away for free. We're tying that in with um, a great artist appearance too. We have uh, um, DC artist uh, Mark McKenna going to be here in that store in the in the store that day. Uh, he'll be signing books and we give away print to the first 50 people and. Uh, yeah, it should just be fun. I, I like putting on those kind of events, and um, like David said, um, Stranger Things is, is sponsoring the uh, the Halloween comic event uh, all across the country this year. I understand you haven't you have yet to see the first season. Nope, it's on my list. It is really good. This is this is uh, it, it's kind of creepy in a way, um, but it's more like a <clears throat> sci-fi thriller. So this is one of those shows that you know my fiance she hates horror movies. Like she she won't watch them at all. Um, but this is the one show that she actually does like and will watch, so this is one of the ones I'm going to have to tell her, hey, don't watch it until I get to watch it too. So, see if I can get her to, you know, abstain from episode hopping. Um, also, the uh, something that's coming out from Marvel that we've been waiting for for a while, it's, I think it's been in the talks the past two years, um, the Gambit movie. Uh, they just nailed their director for it, who is uh, Gore Verbinski. The name to me didn't sound familiar. It probably sounds familiar to you guys. Um, but until I looked up the movies he's done, uh, he's done three of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Um, he's done Rango. I think, I think that's how it's pronounced, Rango. A Cure for Wellness. A Cure for Wellness, uh, The Lone Ranger. And what it actually looks like is he must have something... And a contract with Johnny Depp, because a lot of the movies he does has Johnny Depp in it. And the one movie that I had has ju I just saw that he did um, that was released back in 1997. That was one of my favorite, you know, movies as a kid. Was Mouse Hunt, uh, where the the chefs are, you know, running all over the place just to uh, find this mouse. So that was one of my favorite movies, you know, as a kid. Yeah, so that could get that could get started soon. I think that's a uh, an important piece to their cinematic universe because now that we lost Logan, um, which um, was a, a brilliant film, but he's not going to do any more X Men movies. I think Wolverine was the linchpin that tied everything together. We have Deadpool now. I think he could serve as a great linchpin, but I'm not sure he plays into every genre of the the uh, X Men yeah. films. But Chatham Tanning and Gambit could be a guy that jumps from film to film. Plays the connecting point in each of those, those is, films. And is that uh, a positive that he is playing Gambit? Because I, I've i seen a couple things where they weren't sure. I know that's, they'd said, okay, our casting is we picked him. So is, that's a definite that he yeah, is. Yeah, as playing. of uh, October 5th uh, from the from the studio that said that uh, Jadam Tanning is still uh, still in, in line to play I, Gambit. I think and if they go by the fan-made you know costume they've done on him, I think that he could do a really good job. Um, now, he is in the new... Uh, Kingsman movie as a southerner so he has that southern kind of twang and you I know, think he's from New Orleans anyway right? yeah and you know uh, 
Gambit is a Cajun, so that I, I think he could pull off the accent pretty well, and I think it's it's going to be a really good movie. Um, Todd McFarlane gave an interview this week. Um, he's confirmed a February start date for the reboot of Spawn. Uh, they're going to start filming in early 2018, and uh, yeah, I'm not the world's biggest Spawn fan, but I'm on board for that. It's been so long since I've actually seen the original movie. Uh, I mean, I have a a book. It's one of them, like, kind of novels that has pictures from the movie in it. And it's been so long since I've seen it, I forgot, you know, what he looked like. And it's, he has that creepy look to him with everything well, else. Here's the so. thing. Todd McFarlane is going to be directing this movie. Oh. So he created Spawn. He drew Spawn since its inception in the 90s. Um, but this is going to be his um, de- uh, directorial debut. He's going to be a filmmaker in, in directing this movie. So um, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Fingers crossed. I'm, I'm, well, if... If he can have all the pull he wants, then I'm, I just, at least the look of him should be really good. Now he he stressed and reiterated the point that uh, the Deadpool film will be dark and R-rated, which uh, the Deadpool, you know, yeah, um, Spawn, Spawn, <laughs> right? Um, he said it's actually well I, that Deadpool rung in my my ears because he said it's going to be a hard R, even harder R rating than Deadpool was. Ooh. So I don't know. It is. Um, it is what it is. Is that Dark Horse? Or is that Image? That Image, image, yep. and they're they're known to be a little more gory and violent. Marvel kind of holds back on that. They'll you know, they'll put blood and stuff in it, but they don't do the dark, you know, really graphic pictures that Image is known for, you know, in their darker comics. So, so he's going to direct this film. Uh, he revealed that the budget for the film is only ten million dollars. Wow, uh, that is that is what they have going into it. Um, I mean. Justice League is hundreds of millions of dollars, uh, so we'll. That might we'll be one of those uh, things where they put a little into it and they're going to get a lot back. So, um, and talking about the word justice, kind of rang in my mind again. Um, one of uh, Neil and I were discussing this. One of both of our, it's one, his favorite animated series and my top five. Young Justice season three is finally going to be released next year. Um, I had yeah, that's right. It was uh, canceled back in two two thousand thirteen after yeah. just two seasons. Uh, it was it was so good. This new season three is going to be called The Outsiders. Um, it's going to debut in in two thousand eighteen. But here's the rub: uh, it's going to debut exclusively on uh, on a new DC focused digital service. That's the oh, only boy. way it's going to be able to to be watched. Um, they announced that at, at Comic Con today for for season three. Uh, we don't know a lot about this this DC streaming service yet, but um, they're jumping on board just like Disney is, and mm-hmm. I mean that's that's the way. I, at this point, people are are cutting cables, just going to Netflix. But at this point, you're going to need to have like four or five streaming services as well. So um, it, it either you, for exclusive content. Yeah, I don't think it's going to like make or break most people, but it, it might either be a little cheaper or even the same price for um, you know cable. And you get thousands of channels with cable, you may only watch three. So Netflix has hundreds of movies you you can want to watch, series that's on TV that, you know, if you can wait a year, that's great. You know, they'll come out. If you get Hulu, Hulu has the episode the day after. Uh, Amazon Prime has some pretty good stuff. The Tick is on there, which I still have yet to watch that, but I hear it's hilarious. Uh, it looks like it's definitely been an evolution. If you watch season one and season two, you know that the team changed a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, they grew. Um, it was just so brilliantly done. Uh, we have another uh, character switch here. Uh, so instead of um, a couple characters are, are noticeably missing, 
Um, Miss Martian isn't in this lineup. Huh. Uh, Nightwing isn't in this lineup. Uh, we have characters like Static, Kid Flash, Robin, um, Wonder Girl, Spoiler, Blue Beetle, 13, Arrowette, Arsenal, and Beast Boy. So there's a couple... Um, oh, they're throwing Beast Boy into this? Yeah, there's a couple familiar names that are missing and uh, some new additions. Uh, same producers, uh, same directors. Um, I'm really excited about this. I'm, I'm unsure how I'm going to be able to watch it because <laughs> we don't know anything about this streaming service, but... Um, I, I think this is going to be good stuff. I hope that uh, since they are doing more stuff like this, bringing back season three, or they're going to do now season three, I would hope that maybe other people might catch on, and who knows, we might some eventually get another Teen Titans, you know, original series show, which would be kind of cool. Are season one and two on Netflix right now? I I don't think I don't think they have anything of. Um, Teen Titans or stuff like that. You guys can go to go to a retailer and, and pick up the discs, the uh, the full seasons of one and two. It's it's certainly worth it. It's uh, really good stuff. Uh, Constantine is getting an animated series. They pulled his um his live action. I think that was on CW. Am I right? Yeah, that was. Uh, did they? St- I think they started filming, but they hadn't released anything. He, he had crossed over in a couple yeah, of they, the he, episodes. I think um, two of them. Yeah, but it's going to be a, a full length, uh, a full season of um an animated show that's going to be on CW Seed. And if it's anything like when they did with Vixen, they may do the guy, use, I, I, what's his name, the actor that played him, who actually was in the original Constantine, um, was it a movie or a TV show? Mm, the original movie Constantine, that was um, Keanu Reeves. Okay. Then it was, um, but, um, I think, uh, uh, Matt Ryan? Yeah. Yeah, he was the, he was the live action star, uh, and he's doing the voice for the animated that's, series, that's so that was kind of nice. Yeah. Nice tie-in. What else? Uh, I don't really have anything else. I haven't. It's. It seems like what the most we talked about for interesting stuff was last week. Because, I mean, we get every. You know, you get everything interesting that's going to happen, and we got to talk about it all. <laughs> yeah, and uh, not everything from um, uh, Comic Con has been announced yet. So it's... we have a whole weekend full of announcements and trailers and and news that we might not have heard of. So we'll we'll try to catch you guys up uh, when we talk again in the show. Um, but I'm really excited to move into this interview. Uh, like I said, this is uh, my friend Kent. He comes into the store all the time. He teaches a Batman class. Um, he's the kind of guy that knows how many pouches are on Batman's utility belt. He knows what is in each pouch. He knows <laughs> everything about this guy um, and, and about life, too. He, he can tie in uh, Batman to, to just about anything that's going on and uh, make us feel better about life by... Uh, redirecting us to some of these uh these great batman stories so um enjoy the interview we're we're uh we're happy to have them all right guys see you next time all righty um to start off i uh i struggled a lot as a kid in uh, a bunch of different respects um dad who wasn't there um all kind of different stuff uh but i discovered superheroes and those are the characters that uh that saved me um Batman had a chance to carry the darkness away, and uh, Spider-Man took me high up in the city and changed my perspective and a lot of stuff, and it, I really fell, uh, fell uh, in love with these heroes. They all represented a, a fixed point on the horizon. When everything was in entropy in my life, I could pick up these books and uh, get focused again. Uh, I studied their, their powers, their allies, um, their weaknesses, their rose gallery, and uh, I learned a whole bunch about these, these characters. Um, they literally saved my life, and 30 years later, I get to own uh, a comic book shop. And uh, I think I know a lot about about comics, but uh, to tell you the truth, I will never get closer to the hem of 
of the Cape than when I'm sitting beside uh, our guest today, uh, Kent Tonkin, um, professor at St. Francis University, just up the road from us. Um, this is cool because he actually teaches a, a Batman class. Uh, he's a wealth of knowledge regarding all these superheroes, and uh, we're really, really happy to have him here. So thanks for coming. Oh, I'm honored to be here. I'm, I'm going to have to work hard to deserve that intro, though. Wow, thank you. What's kind of nice about this, I have no idea who he is. I just met him before we got here and started talking, so I don't know. He's got a lot of interesting stuff to say, and from what Neil tells me, I'm excited to hear what what he has to say about his classes and, and uh, the event that he's holding. So, Well, I'm, I'm honored to be here. The Comic Vault is, uh, is something this area greatly needed. It's funny, I think, Neil, your first weekend open, I, I came in and I probably made a, a pretty good pest of myself hanging out for a long period of time. I remember, I think, my first conversation with my wife leaving the Comic Vault was, that guy's going to think you're a stalker. <laughs> and uh, my response was, no, he's a comic book guy. We're good. Uh, so no, I'm really glad to be here today. I'm glad to, to have the opportunity to talk uh, Batman and Superman and, and all the cool things we have happening at St. Francis. So yeah, it's good to be here. Well, it is great because you do have uh, a passion about uh, comic books and these characters. And I'm, my first question is, uh, why does that happen? Um, you're a pretty learned guy and people uh, end up getting letters after their name. They drop <laughs> things like they're like uh, a guy running around in mass punching people in the face. That's that's garbage. I'm not doing that. What, uh, what keeps all this uh, interesting for you? Uh, I think it's the comic books and comic characters are kind of like our American pantheon. I mean, when we think about the Greeks and Romans and what their gods meant to them, they were kind of the epitome of, of human perfection and at times flaws and failures, but they were figures we could put in front of us and say, wow, this is what we aspire to, or these are our cautionary tales, or sometimes they're both. And to me, I think comic books uh, really symbolize that in the United States. When we think about characters, I mean, Batman and Superman are brands that are older than most of the most successful companies in the world. You can throw up a, a Superman logo or a Batman shield or a Spider-Man logo anywhere in the world and people will know who they are and what they stand for. So I think, think Nike and Apple are still trying to have the lineage that these brands have. So there's something archetypal that calls to people. And I think the reason I enjoy talking about comics in an academic context, they are a truly American art form and they are a cultural barometer. You can tell when a comic book was made based on how the characters are portrayed, how they act in the, in the plot line. So they really are kind of a, a barometer for the period in which the character is existing at the time. So there's a lot we can do with that. And it's nice um, with, you know, to go along with that, uh, what times they were made in, you know, you look back and there's a, I think it's, it's a little panel of Iron Man talking to Captain America and he says, well, I think Captain America needs a good dick from Iron Man, which meant, you know, <laughs> completely different than what it does now. So he just needs a good talking to then. So right. it's, it's, not, it's always cool to go back and see the differences of, you know, dialogue between characters then than what it is now. Now, you know, you got comics where in the, one of the latest Spider-Man that they're talking about the people in the base playing Pokemon Go. Mm -hmm. So and, I, and it's always nice that they include, you know, real events and stuff into the comics so yeah i mean one of my favorite things with uh, modern interpretations now when i say this i know not everybody was a fan of this interpretation but one of the things i really enjoyed about the most recent spider-man movie for example is it very much gave something a, a point of entry for people who were teenagers who may not have already read comic books because this was a social media tech savvy teenage Peter Parker who the average 12 or 13 year old could relate to and if that book 
uh, gets, or that movie, I should say, gets that kid to further explore the lineage of the character and discover the really good stuff, then why not? Exactly. Yeah. And how can you not reinterpret characters that have been around for as many decades as, as they've been? I mean, this is, it's kind of like you take the, the raw material and the DNA and you, and you make new versions of the old characters so people can relate to them. Why has um, popular culture finally accepted comic books as a, a legitimate form of storytelling? Uh, I grew up in the 70s. Uh, I started high school. I wore a, a superhero t-shirt once. <laughs> and uh, I, took a, I took a beating that day. Um, you know, that's not true. I, was it, was I, it ver- I, just verbal? or No, I, it was a beatdown. <laughs> um, uh, that's not true. I, I did end up wearing it, and I accepted this is who I am. This is what I'm into. This, yeah. is, this is what's important to me, and I'm not, I'm not going to let this guy embarrass me in front of this girl. Um, just because uh, of what I'm wearing, but it's not like that anymore. Now it's everywhere, and why? Why? Why do you think that is? I, I think part of it to me is is Hollywood finally woke up and realized what an unused gusher of ideas had been uh, dumping around. I'm, and I'm using terms that, that were used by people who wrote Batman comics. Uh, Denny O'Neill has actually described that as what comic book literature was. He he meant it as as an ironic statement because he was writing good books. But I think for the longest period of time, let's think about this. If we wanted to make an iconic, big action blockbuster, we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars. You can make the same scene in a comic book for next to no money at all by hiring a decent artist. You're still taking this vision and putting it out in a visual medium that's very amenable to making its way onto the big screen and into video games and to mobile devices. And I think somebody in Hollywood finally got it. I think somebody in Hollywood getting it was part of the equation. The other half of the equation to me was some directors actually finally treating the source material with some dignity. Um, I think to me the flashpoint events for that would be, even though I'm not a huge fan of the, the plot line, uh, the 89 Batman film was a game changer. It was the first big budget dark-toned superhero movie, and I would say, honestly, my DC friends will hate me for this, it's the X-Men movies of the late 90s showed that we could put real actors into the role of superheroes and produce plot lines that people who had never read a spandex comic would flock to the theaters to see. All of a sudden, people were realizing this wasn't just kids' stuff. First time I saw a, a muscle guy in an Under Armour shirt with a Batman logo on it, I realized we had become mainstream. The same guy who would have been trying to beat you up in high school is now wearing, wearing an Under Armour shirt with a Batman logo. So to me, it was, it was, uh, part of it was mass media jumping on. And I think it's weird. It's almost like a cyclical effect because the comics now are reflecting the darker tone of the movies. And it's sort of spinning and making itself kind of a, a multimedia recycler, for lack of a better term. Would you agree? Uh, yeah, I think there is. I agree with everything you said, but there's going to be a... A backlash. There's going to be a downfall because everything that Hollywood gets their hands in uh, eventually doesn't doesn't work out. For sure. I'd say even I've seen a big change in pop culture and how people view comics even in the last five years since I've been in high school. I mean, even I graduated in 2013, so I guess it would have been 2010 or nine when I was a freshman. So you know, I was just known as the nerd that wore Spider-Man shirts all the time. I mean, but I kind of sat on the fence of being I played sports but yeah. you know I was still into this nerd stuff and you know I even I took a pair of chucks that I had white chucks and I drew on the side of them like just the spider-man's face and I got you know made fun of for that I'm like this is cool man it's like how often do you it's like these are custom spider-man shoes you know that only I had to make you know to make a stance 
away from everybody else. Even Chucks themselves were, but sure. you know, I got I got made fun of a lot for just you know knowing comic book stuff, and then like people say, oh well, this person, you know, this character. Why did they beat up this character? I'm like, well, because they're from two different universes. Like that's DC and that's Marvel. Mm-hmm. So they try to make fun of you by putting characters together, and then they make themselves sound stupid, but they don't know that. So, well, and to me, it's funny how how comic books have started becoming literary too. And when you look at people who really made their big names in comics, I'm thinking particularly of Neil Gaiman. Uh, who started off, at, I mean, obviously, Sandman, Landmark series, uh, and his work. I don't know how you guys feel about uh, his work on Miracle Man. To me, that mm-hmm. was very heady stuff. And now he has become a, a massively successful novelist and now a, a television writer, and his works are being adapted into film. And I think people are starting to realize some of the good stuff. I, th- I think one of the other things, too, a lot of folks don't really realize some of the big-budget movies that are coming out that are not superheroes, that are based on comic books. Uh, the Road to Perdition, Tom Hanks movie, was based on a, uh, a, a DC imprint, uh, Paradigm Publishing, I think it was called. And so it was graphic fiction before it was, uh, before it was a movie. And a lot of people don't realize that Persepolis is another one that was an indie film that came from a graphic novel. And Dark Tower. Dark Tower. Dark Tower. Dark Tower. Yeah. And in Europe, they have no problem with this stuff. In Japan, they have no problem with this stuff. We're still getting to the point, but if we get to the point where we can have serious animated films and theaters here, we'll have truly one. I think DC is going to take the, you know, big one on that one if they finally can get it to theaters. Because, in my opinion, I think DC is dominating the world in animated movies. I'd agree. Marvel is slowly coming up the rear. I think the best ones they're doing are the ones that they do the artwork in an anime style. Uh, I think they, they have a Doctor Strange one out, mm-hmm. a Cat, uh, Iron Man, and a uh, Punisher one. They're beautiful too. They, they, look yeah, they look amazing. So, but I think if they get a, a big time, you know, two hour, two and a half hour animated movie, I think DC will probably be the first ones to do it. Uh, I'm real excited too. What's happening with the creator-owned movement too? We're gonna uh, potentially see some movies and multimedia coming out of companies like Image mm-hmm. as well, and. I don't know. I mean, it's it's like the whole image '90s revolution seems to be happening all over again, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, image isn't uh, you know spandex and spawn. It's creator-owned uh, Jonathan Hickman uh, productions, and this stuff is really really good. I agree. There, they could they could change the game just like they changed it in um, in the '90s with comics. We could have been a totally different comic culture right now. We could be all frilly cuff Neil Gaiman stuff. But mm-hmm. image came along, and they were like more color, more splash pages. <laughs> Bigger pecs. Um, and other things. Yeah, right. And I think that that, that brought uh, comics back to a fun level, and I think that Image could do that again with, with uh, some films. You know, we talked about Neil Gaiman and, and a couple other writers. Who are some of your favorite uh, comic writers and uh, uh, story arcs? You know, it's funny. Um, even though I, I talk a lot about Batman and superheroes, my favorite comic book of all time is Preacher. I think it is the most well-written, well-perfectly... Perfectly illustrated. I'm not saying that Fabry's art uh, or was, was totally, or uh, Steve Dillon's art was, was my favorite art, but his art matched the story. The storytelling and the dialogue were fantastic. The characters made sense. And by the end of the series, you actually cared about the people you were reading about. And I think the very fact that a company like uh, AMC uh, jumping on and saying, we need to make a show about this, my first reaction was, how can this possibly 
air on television. And so far, so good. It's getting an audience. And, and I think it's almost like, in this case, Breaking Bad paved the way for, for Preacher to be made on television. You go back and read that, that series from the 90s, and it still has moments that will make you cringe. If anything offends you, you will be offended by something <laughs> in that book. But you'll laugh uh, your butt off, and you'll be astounded that a guy from Ireland can capture the American spirit and 80-some issues of an indie comic that was published by Vertigo. I think to me that was the absolute, that is my pinnacle, that is my favorite comic ever. Uh, I love, obviously, Frank Miller's 80s stuff. Uh, I don't care how many times I read The Dark Knight Returns, I get something new out of it every time. That's a classic. I also love the stuff he was doing with Jeff Darrow in the 90s, like Rusty the Robot and Big Guy, and actually Hard Boiled. We, we were talking before the podcast a little bit about Blade Runner. That's like Frank Miller's love letter to, to Blade Runner. So uh, Jonathan Hickman, East and West, the new stuff, and um, Manhattan Projects. Can't get enough of that stuff. So uh, this whole new emerging genre of kind of uh, noir uh, supernatural with uh, the gangster vampires and werewolves is pretty interesting too. So, but uh, yeah, that's some of my favorite stuff. What about you guys? I don't know. Um, I mean, my favorite comic is would be Spider Man. That's I guess the the biggest thing that got me into comics. Uh, I don't know. It, to me, it. it I mean, I think it, the original idea of why it has to do with his blue tights, just because as a kid, my favorite color was blue. And I saw this, you know, um, on, on TV, in, in these cartoons, and these books, you know, this guy in this bright red and blue suit kind of caught my attention. So then I started reading, and I don't know, it just seemed like this nerdy kid that would get beat up all the time can have this other life and be this cool guy. And I guess, and you know... Even uh, Ned in the new movie says, how does it feel to be so famous but nobody knows who you are? And, you know, people's like, it's so awesome. I think, you know, I don't relate to that, but to being the nerdy kid that people want to pick on, but you also want that other life of you wish that you could do that and have, you know, people think you're cool and all this and that, but at the same time, you know, if they knew who you really were, they'd kind of be shocked. And I don't know, it just seems that Spider-Man was a a gateway into comics and he just kind of I guess met on a personal level for me so yeah. people come into the store and they're looking for books to read there's always a list that I'll recommend have you read comics before no do you like superheroes yeah um, I'm gonna I'm gonna push uh, I'm gonna push hush on them I think that's one of the easiest oh, yeah. things to jump in on Batman with um, I love infinite crisis uh, I think that's really good stuff uh, Identity Crisis is one of my mm -hmm. top three books ever. I love that stuff. I really wasn't a huge Frank Miller fan, um, but after rereading Dark Knight a few times, it's uh, something that I do recommend. It's not, it's not as bad as I had played out. Now I see it. <laughs> now I see it as as operatic, starting off lowly in the blue suit, and by the end there's there's nuclear Armageddon, and there's Batman riding a horse and. It just goes to, to nuts chaos, and I think that's what he intended the whole time. Well, the character is actually aging in reverse to some extent because you're going back to the original costume, and right. the weather changes with the costume. Right. Um, so much genius work in there, and I, the, my, I hope nobody from my Batman class is listening to this because I'm giving away one of the big secrets of the class. Um, the nature of the relationship uh, between the Batman and the Joker in that book, particularly from the Joker's perspective, is best summed up in the fact that they are going into the tunnel of love uh, during the Joker's final act. And what that whole thing symbolizes 
and what you can read into it uh, just had never been done in a comic book and is still controversial by today's standards. I think that The Killing Joke is still a controversial work. And uh, what I, I, why I love bringing that work up for conversation, there are so many females getting involved in reading comics now. And the fact that I have uh, my female geeks showing up at my office to talk comics, that makes me want to sing. Uh, I've taken my wife into comic book stores, and here's the way it usually works. It's like a scene out of a movie where you actually hear all the conversation cease, uh, the needle scratches across the record, and every <laughs> eye says, oh my God, there's a woman in yeah. here. And the fact that that's happening less makes me very happy. I know, Neil, you've got females in your family. Do they read comics? Uh, my kids are, are relatively young, and we watch Teen Titans Go every day. That's and, awesome. And uh, I read them comic books at nighttime. Um, my wife, not so much. She'll strap on the, the Superman shirt when she comes into the store, but um, no, it's not her favorite her favorite genre. And But you know what I'm saying about women in comic book stores? We just didn't see it. And um, actually, here's a quote. This is, this is to give hope to all the single geeks out there. What, what my wife said to me, she wishes she had started hanging out in comic book stores because all the guys in there are smart and nice. That's what she says about guys who hang out in comic book stores. Uh, 20% of the people that carry subscription service with me are girls. That's awesome. Yeah. That's a, that's a big number compared to 10 yeah. years ago. So if I have uh, 70 people, uh, roughly, right now, who, uh, who subscribe to at least one monthly book or buy a weekly book and they come in and get it, um, a nice chunk of them are, are girls. And they're not just reading the vampires and the werewolves. I mean, they're reading, yeah. um, they're reading great stuff. One of my favorite conversations last year, I was in a, another comic shop and, and we were discussing some of the changes that had happened in the New 52 and Rebirth and all that stuff. And one of the fans was really bemoaning Barbara Gordon's new look because she didn't look like Batgirl used to look. And I, I stopped for a second. I said, well, how does your daughter feel about that book? Because he said his daughter had been reading it. And he's like, wow, my daughter really likes this book because Batgirl plays on her phone and she acts like a 20-something, and she really seems to relate to it. And I said, well, if we lose one classic take on the character in exchange for getting a whole group of people to give comics a chance, that's, that's a pretty worthwhile trade. I think so, and I, I like what's happening with that character. I think they're making her interesting. Right. Uh, you brought up um, your Batman class, and yeah. I'm, I'm glad you did. What, uh, tell me about uh, how that all came about and um, what your uh, curriculum looks like. Well, I'm, I'm really lucky. I teach at a great institution, St. Francis University, and although I teach in the School of Business, uh, we have a program called General Education, and so all of our students are required to do some seminar classes during their time, and if you're willing to teach a seminar, you can teach whatever material you want so long as you satisfy certain criteria in the curriculum. You have to have student-led discussion, substantial writing, reflection. Basically, it's a seminar, so the students lead the discussion, and my class is called Batman, uh, The Dark Knight Decoded, and it's a socio-political analysis of Batman. We start in 1939 and work the whole way to 2017 and say, well, why, why did these different versions of the portrayed this way? What was happening in the country? Uh, dig deeper into the source material. And oh, by the way, the class really isn't about Batman. It ends up being more about how media reflects our reality. And so it's a really fun class to teach. Uh, I've been lucky. The kids really like it. 
and it's been filling up. Um, what I do for the source material, now for any of the purists, I do go off script a little bit. I set it up where we go through three periods. We use Batman Year One as the beginning, we use The Killing Joke as the middle, and we use The Dark Knight Returns as the end. Even though they're arguably in different continuities, it gives us a nice kind of sandwich for people who have never dealt with multiple continuities. And we, we throw in stuff like the animated series. We, we watch the Christopher Nolan films and get deeper into those. This last year, we finally, because it was out, we watched Batman v Superman. And we get into some of the other extenuating issues like why people are portrayed the way they are. Batgirl was a big part of our discussion, especially with the events of The Killing Joke. So, but uh, yeah, I, I love teaching the class. Uh, honestly, I, I think the, the most fun part for me is seeing the light bulbs go off with the students when they realized this stuff wasn't random and that there was real intent behind why these characters were created the way they were. And no, it's it's great stuff. I was lucky enough to, to sit in on your class and um, you could just see the engagement. I, I sat in my college classes and everyone's falling asleep and doodling. And, but this, everyone's watching the screen. We, we I showed up on a day where you were talking about uh, uh, Batman as a racist or um, the United States using it as a... Um, a propaganda. A exactly. Yeah, uh, the, those old films that are floating around from the from the 40s uh, where Batman is basically taking on the Japanese and they're just full of ethnic stereotypes and things we couldn't even imagine. Um, when you realize that there are kids in your classroom who didn't realize anything like the internment camps in the 40s had ever happened or that we had propaganda posters that portrayed people using ethnic stereotypes and we have a very diverse population now, especially at the college level. We've got people from multiple countries, from multiple backgrounds, that have them talking about why did this happen. That's that's a good conversation. So now I see this. Uh, to me, it kind of reminds me of the whole school of rock thing. So do you give <laughs> do you give them an assignment at the end of class, like to go read this comic book? And because in school of rock, you know, he, as they're leaving. He hands out CDs for them to, you know, uh -huh. go learn from that. So is it kind of the same way where you're saying, okay, go read this this comic book tonight, and or go read this one, this section of this comic book, or? Well, what we do, um, we do in a couple of ways. It all has to be student led. So I do a couple of lectures, but most of it is facilitation, and it might be, okay, class, this group is going to lead the discussion on Batman Year One, or you can pick your own topic. So some of the students, for example picked a topic uh, that I thought was really compelling, is Bruce Wayne making the best use of his money? Could he be doing more good by investing in companies and creating jobs and improving Gotham City's economy instead of going out and punching bad guys in the <laughs> face? And it was an interesting take because those were business students and they did a financial analysis. Uh, I had a group of, uh, of ladies who were all social work majors who got into what was his motivation and was he improving the situation or making it worse through his use of violence. Uh, and the funny thing was they hated Batman. They took the class and they, at the end of the class they still hated the guy, but they understood him a little more. Um, some of the textbooks we use so in the they, they understand why they hate him. They understand why they hate him. Uh, actually, uh, to use, am I allowed to use colorful language? Uh, sure, yeah, we got explicit. We got ex we're explicit, so we're up on uh, uh, iTunes and um, Google Play now, so we are explicit. So One of the best presentations a student ever did was why Batman is such an asshole. And uh, I laughed so much because they hit so many great points. But again, it was different perspectives. So the students can use the source material and present, or they can come up with their own topics and present. We had uh, all kinds of interesting takes. Do you like Batman as an asshole? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I do. I like the. Uh, it's certainly a take on it. Uh, oh. I prefer like the, like the Grant Morrison. I don't think you can go through years and years of. 
becoming a Buddhist master mm-hmm. and still be a jerk. I, you know, it's funny. Um, and when you say Batman is an asshole, we're talking about Frank Miller, obviously. Right. <laughs> um, I think I take I can take it in doses. Uh, for example, I think year one is a is a pretty good balance. I mean, this is a guy who is learning the ropes, but he's he's a he's a pretty badass guy. Uh, yeah, he's what nineteen in year one, something like that. Yeah, depending on depending on your math. Um, when you get into the Dark Knight Returns, yeah, we we're bordering on sociopath at times, <laughs> um, but but I think Dark Knight Returns to me has a lot of per, uh, a lot in common with the Dark Knight Rises, and not just in plot points. All right, I think they need to be seen more as parables than literal takes on Batman. And I think it, it comes down to, yeah, this guy even says to himself, there's a, there, there are lines in there about his opinions about, arguably about libertarianism versus, uh, versus government control, and he gets political in parts of it. And I think it's, it's, it's Frank Miller's kind of self-analysis of the 1980s. That's my opinion. When we get into stuff like All Star Batman and Robin, I don't enjoy that. And at that point, um, we actually, when, when there are memes about somebody being the GD Batman, uh, yeah, you've gone too far. Yep. And uh, so I, I think I, I enjoy the the '90s take on the character when we were getting into Nightfall. One of my favorite uh, Batman artists of all time is Kelly Jones. I love what he did with Doug Mensch with some of the Elseworlds tales and that sort of stuff too. But I, I don't like him as an asshole either. I like him as somebody who is removed and distant, but somebody who still deep down is a good person. He still has a heart. I mean, if you look yeah. at uh, Batman Noel. Great, great I, work. I, I, that is my favorite Batman book just, just because of the artwork. The artwork that, and that is just fantastic. But I mean, you know, the... The dad of the of the kid, you know, he works for criminals, but it's because he can't pay anything, and that's the only way he's getting money. Mm-hmm. So you know, Batman obviously he's you know still going to beat him up, but he he has compassion on the guy just because of he sees how his family he he looked in on the window of his family and knows what's going on, so he, he still has a heart. Batman is Scrooge too. That's perfect. Yeah, right? what a great take, and uh, yeah, I, I really enjoy that. And uh, some of the uh, the eighty stuff too. I mean, it, it's dated poorly at times, but the, the type of detective work we see and things like uh, Death in the Family and some of the more classic storylines, like my favorite physical portrayal of the character, I, I know it's cliche, I grew up in the 70s, Neil Adams. Neil Adams. Neil Adams is, and Norm Brayfogel and, and those guys, I, I'm a sucker for the yellow oval, like to me, okay DC, if you're listening, I know why you got rid of the trunks, we can't have trunks anymore, I get it. <laughs> Give us back the yellow oval, the Batman ink suit. I love that because we got it. We got a mix, and seeing seeing David Finch draw that suit, oh yeah, that that I can get behind. Yeah, he's he he kills it on Batman right now. It's uh, it's good stuff. Totally. Um, did the Batman class lead into all the superhero things that uh, you're doing on campus? Like, um, what was the first one you did? Bat Flash. Bat- actually, tell us about Bat Bat Flash. Bat Flash actually was before I taught a Batman class, and the guy. Um, uh, that, who came up, who I got to meet, uh, Lenny Robinson, inspired me to teach the class. We, um, we did an event at St. Francis back in 2014 uh, based on two things. A movie had come out by a great guy named Brett Culp, and it was called Legends of the Night. It was celebrating 75 years of Batman, and it basically told stories of people who were inspired by Batman to make changes in real life. I mean, made, made big differences in their communities. And one of the guys who was featured was uh, this gentleman named Lenny Robinson. And Lenny uh, is, a, always will be the real Batman to me. After meeting him, I really met Bruce Wayne. This guy got pulled over on the Baltimore Beltway driving a Lamborghini with a full Batman costume on. He got pulled over because he had taken his license plate off 
and replaced it with a Batman logo. The cops let him off with a warning and they're all taking selfies with this guy and the video went viral. And it turned out this guy had been doing this for like 10 years and he hadn't been doing it for attention or to make a spectacle of himself. He did it because his son loved Batman. They started visiting sick kids when his son was young, saw the impact it made on these kids and he decided, you know what? I'm gonna sell my multi-million dollar business and I'm gonna wear a Batman costume and go out and visit people and make people happy, especially kids who were fighting the fight of their lives. That to me was like, okay, there is no bigger life lesson than saying you can find your calling when you're 40 years old and if your calling is to wear a Batman costume, you've got the means to do it. Man, that's inspiring stuff. So we had him come to St. Francis and people who met him for five minutes still talk about him because of his magnetism and his warmth. Uh, he did a presentation for us called Being Batman in Business. We talked about why did I walk away from a cleaning business to start a nonprofit. One of the things a lot of people didn't realize about Lenny, he used his business skills. He would go into hospitals where people were struggling with crushing debt to pay for their kids' health care. A statistic you may not know, if you've got a child with a terminal illness, you probably will go bankrupt. No matter how good your health care is, you've got to quit your job, you've got to expend your savings. There are people who are trying to keep their kids alive and not being able to pay their health care bills. He would go in on their behalf and negotiate zero interest loans and get debt knocked down by 80%. So the hospital would get something, the family could get out of debt, and people could get on with their lives. If that's not a real world superhero, I don't know what is. He spent, uh, he spent 13 hours in that costume meeting every kid who wanted to meet him and really made an impression on everybody. And uh, he also visited with some families, a local charity I support called The Healing Patch. Actually, my reason for loving Batman, I'll talk about that later, it all involves working with grieving children and people who've lost because Batman's kind of the, the poster child for grief. But uh, Lenny, unfortunately, uh, less than a year later, was, was killed on its way home from a car show after he had just uh, talked to a group of kids about bullying and, uh, and why that was bad. So, uh, so that was that was Bat Flash, um, and you're bringing uh, Brett Colt back are. for this new event. Uh, it's called uh, Super Flash, Super and he's Flash. Uh, debuting his his new film, uh, Look to the Sky. Look to and the I, sky. I saw the the trailer, and it's uh, it's incredibly powerful. I can't wait to see this movie because I was almost I was almost bawling as I as I watched the thing. It's all about um, why the world needs Superman. Why Superman is uh, important. Brett is an amazing guy. Uh, I've never met Brett in person, but I'm looking forward to it. He's coming to St. Francis. He'll be with us for the Super Flash week. Super Flash is going to be the 18th through the 20th of, of October. He's going to be coming on the 19th. He's going to do a presentation about the business of making documentaries of crowdfunding. So he's going to talk about how he got these inspiring movies made using new and emerging business models. So there's our, our business spin. But he'll be there on Friday night uh, to actually introduce the film. Uh, and premiere his movie with us. And he's allowing us to do a charity screening. <clears throat> so all the money we make that evening we'll be giving to another charity called uh, Second Chance Fundraising, which uh, helps with uh, raising uh, charitable funds for uh, other charities as well as organ donation. Now, I'll talk to you more about that later, uh, but our, our guy involved with that is pretty superheroic too. But yeah, it's going to be three days of fun. Uh, we're going to have a superhero carnival on the 20th. Uh, it's open to the whole public, 5 to uh, 7. We're, we'll have a parade and superhero games for all the kids. 7 o'clock, we'll do a little ceremony to remember Lenny Robinson. And we're going to premiere uh, Look to the Sky. And it's, as you said, Neil, it's all about people who've been inspired by Superman. So I'm, I'm incredibly excited for this.
So you said that your favorite superhero. You said you'd talk about later um, why Batman was your favorite superhero. Yeah. So go ahead and sure explain explanation there. I am. Uh, you know, I, I'm very open with sharing this stuff, and uh, I'm a survivor of childhood loss myself. Um, my twin brother and I lost uh, both of our parents by the time we were 15. And I remember as a as a kid, uh, my first the first comic book I ever read was was Batman. It was 1977. My mom got me this giant reprint of a Neil Adams. Do you remember the one with the boy with the flippers? And uh, you remember that comic. It's iconic. And I remember thinking, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. This guy's amazing. He can hang out with guys who can fly and run a million miles an hour. He's got no super powers at all. So theoretically, anybody could be this guy. And I was fascinated with him. Uh, after I lost my own parents, I started empathizing more with Bruce Wayne and realizing that, you know, loss is a powerful thing. It can destroy you or it can be the source of your greatest power. I remember in college, the toughest days I had where I didn't, I thought to myself, there's no way I can do this. I would picture Batman dusting himself off and saying, well, if this guy who lost everything can stand back up. Surely I can too. And so he really was a, a totem or a power figure for me. And uh, later in my life, I got involved in volunteering with grief work with a group called the Healing Patch, a local group that, uh, that I, I support and they provide uh, services. We call it peer mentoring for kids who've lost loved ones. And getting involved with that really helped me reconcile the things that happened in my life and really reinforced my passion for why Batman was such a powerful character for me. One more thing that I want to talk about with him. You told me about um, this charitable event that is being um, promoted mm -hmm. for uh, your Super Flash. Um, what was it called again? Uh, uh, well, the, the, the Second Chance? Yeah, the, the charity we're supporting is called Second Chance Fundraising. And how did that come about again? Oh, we have, there's this great guy. Uh, his name is uh, Craig Smith, and I just met him earlier this year. He's a St. Francis alum. Uh, he graduated of our MBA program, was just out of college, into the workforce, a young guy, started having trouble getting across the office. He was running out of breath, uh, ended up going to the doctor and discovering he had an infection in his heart. Uh, in his 20s, he had to get a heart transplant. And while he was on the waiting list for a heart transplant, he literally had a battery-powered pump in his heart uh, and had no discernible pulse for almost a year. And he finally got a, uh, a heart transplant and uh, basically said, I'm going to say the rest of my life is all about giving other people second chances. So he started a charity, a 501c3 called Second Chance Fundraising, and they raise uh, funds for other charities and for organ donation. But it was funny because I said to, to Craig when I met him, you're, you're kind of like the real world Iron Man because you had this electronic pump keeping you alive and it turned into the source of your power. And uh, he never thought about it that way, but he did offer to wear an Iron Man costume for the event. That's awesome. Absolutely. So, yeah, stuff like that, you know. You know, I'm, I'm never going to condone all these terrible habits that people have, but and I'm not going to say that, you know, you know, I'm glad that something like that happened to him, but bad things can turn into, you know, good things that he's, you know, you said he stopped smoking and yeah. he, he had a great lifestyle, you know, healthy lifestyle after that. So things like that can just turn somebody around just like that and, you know, be on a path of they now want to help somebody. So... Well, you know, Einstein uh, said that, I think it was Einstein, if I misquote, I'll sound like I shouldn't be a college professor, but uh, Einstein said that energy can neither be created nor destroyed. And I think that whether uh, it's... You're, you're wrong. Batman said that. Batman, <laughs> Batman said that. But I, I think it's true with all this stuff. I mean, with, uh, with the grief work I was talking about, I mean, Batman redirected his grief into the source of his greatest power. Uh, people who suffer tragedies all the time 
can choose what, what they want to do with that energy. And I think the most powerful people I know have found ways to turn that into a superpower and to, to help other people with that. And to me, I get inspired every day when I see people are, are turning terrible tragedies into sources of strength. And my goodness, with the, the events going on in our world this day, we need more people to think that way. And I think, I think we're the source of our own solution to these problems. It seems like a lot of comic books start that way too. I mean, even Spider-Man that uh, you yeah. know he was bitten by a spider and given these powers where he could have done any with anything with them. I mean, most people today would think, "Hmm, I got these powers. I'm gonna go rob a bank." But you know, something happened to his uncle where he died, and he, you know, in the com in the original comics, they don't say it a whole lot anymore. But his uncle said, "You know, with great power comes great responsibility. The powers you are given or have." You know, you need to do something good with them. Don't waste them and don't do something stupid, but do something good and, you know, the good for other people, so. I, I agree 200%. And that's, that's one of the lessons of the, the course, too. So, so yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. All right, so Super Flash, they're designating it a week, but it's really only three days and it's open to the public on Friday. Is yep. that right? I mean, technically anybody's welcome at St. Francis, but our big public day will be Friday because of the Superhero Carnival. and The Carnival, it, there's a costume parade, so you're welcome to come uh, come dressed up, bring the kids, uh, dress them up like uh, their favorite hero. Yeah, and we're, we're going to actually, we're in the works of trying to get a, a, a con contest together for some prizes for that as well. It's free to get in. I mean, obviously our good friends here at the Comic Vault are, are giving us some great artists who are coming up to, to join us. And... Uh, Doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Even the uh, the chemistry club's making nitrous ice cream that night too, so you can get right. fresh made ice cream. And uh, uh, some stations are free. Some stations there's a nominal donation of less than a dollar to play a game. And all the all the fundraising is going to our charity. And uh, time on Friday again. Uh, the the parade starts at five o'clock. We're going to uh, start in the bottom of campus, we'll go the whole way around campus, and end up at the JFK Student Center. And that will go from five to seven or so. And then we'll do the movie premiere. Now the movie premiere is also free. We are doing a, a five dollar suggested donation. If you don't have five bucks, still come up and watch the movie. Yeah, great stuff, uh, Ken. Thanks again for stopping in. I I had a blast. Thanks for having me. I love this place. And, uh, and, and Neil, thanks for what you're doing for our scene, giving us a comic store. A great one. So, well, thank you. Thanks.